Thanks for joining us here on the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit us at lightsandiego.com. perfume, she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bags, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Jesus spent a lot of time uh, walking. A lot of his ministry is uh, records of him going from city to city. And last uh, fall, he was able to spend time uh, in Israel. And one of the things I was struck by was the distances in which Jesus would walk was a part of his ministry. Um, also noticing not only the distance, but the terrain in which Jesus would walk uh, were very limited paved roads, if any at all. Uh, they were rocky and dusty. And over those different terrains and over those different uh, hills and towns that he would travel to, you can imagine the kind of feet that people in the ancient Near East would have had. Because of the, the rough nature of um, kind of what they would do all the time, there was a specific job that was reserved for the lowest class person in that household, normally reserved for if you were a Jewish family, someone who was non-Jewish, uh, maybe someone who was uh, the youngest of age, definitely not a male, uh, in a culture that had these different kind of caste systems, they would reserve the job of washing feet for the one who was labeled lowest. Which sets up John chapter 12 and John in chapter 13 really interestingly. You see, Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. And we see in the scriptures that he was one of his best friends. And so... Jesus is in a town called Ephraim and travels 13 miles back into Bethany, where there's a dinner thrown in his honor because of the resurrection miracle that took place for Lazarus. And it says that Lazarus was reclining at the table, and as he's reclining at the table, Martha's serving, and as Martha's serving, the younger sister, Mary, begins to do something drastic. She's overwhelmed with thankfulness for the recovered life of her brother, and she goes and finds um, a jar of pure nard. This would have been tens of thousands of dollars worth of ointment that would have been used for one of two reasons. One, it would have been used for burial um, of the highest member of the family. And second, it would have been so costly that you could have used that as a bride price for her to get married. Uh, whatever the reason was, we know this was the most valuable thing that Mary owned. And in this moment, as we're throwing a party celebrating what Jesus has done, 
she goes and she takes this and breaks it up open into the womb and begins to rub Jesus' feet with her hair. Another thing we should understand about the culture is that a woman's hair had everything to do with her dignity um, and her role within society. So knowing that Mary wasn't actually married herself, her using her hair then to go and to start rubbing the dirt off of Jesus' feet would have been maybe the most um, provocative, audacious act that anyone may have, be, have seen in their entire life. This would never have been done. Mary is taking her most glorious thing, and she's now taking on the, the worst part of Jesus, and she's rubbing the dirt that he's collected over his 13-mile journey with an ointment that would now have removed her ability to get married or removed her ability to bury um, maybe her own father or her eldest brother. And in this moment, you can imagine uh, the, the feeling in the room as there is this sense of what is going on. And Judas, who we know is about to betray Jesus, speaks up and says, and you could have used this to, um, we could have sold this and given it to the poor. And Jesus, knowing the intention of his heart, speaks to him and says, listen, and, and protect and guard his name. He says, no, no, this moment was reserved to prepare for my burial. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories. It, it challenges our own sense of devotion to Jesus, right? There is this drastic sense. There's even a dangerous sense of how Mary actually puts her, not only her kind of her social role on the line, but her family's honor. And in some, in some kind of rabbinical teachings, even her life. So this would have been a drastic uh, display of love to Jesus. And as she's doing this, this creates this kind of uproar, and Jesus then goes in the next day as a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But what we find is a couple of days later, at the beginning of Passover, and we have another incident with someone at someone's feet. But this time it's not Mary, it's not a disciple, it's Jesus. Jesus, we find in John chapter 13, at the beginning of Passover, says he gets up from the table, takes off of his robe, wraps himself in a towel, and begins to wash his disciples' feet. Now, if you remember, this job would have been reserved for the person who had the lowest status of that household. And so when Jesus takes off his robe, a robe also as scripture represents authority. It represents kind of the role you play. This is why we see even in the Old Testament when Joseph was given a coat of many colors, uh, this was problematic for his brothers because a robe represents authority. This is why when David cuts off a piece of Saul's robe, it's a sign of, hey, I'm taking someone's authority. So Jesus taking off his robe is, is really a symbol of him taking off his authority. Puts on a, a towel, which would have been the garment of a slave, and then begins to start rubbing the dirt off of his followers, his apprentices' feet. And if we thought John chapter 12 would have created an uproar, John chapter 13, Jesus is now doing something that would have been even more provocative, even more alarming. And so much so that when we get to Peter, Peter just, just lifts his arms. He says, I, this, you can't do this. You can't wash my feet. And, and in doing this, Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. And, and Peter kind of in his uh, demonstrative kind of attitude, he says, well, not just my feet, but everything else. And, and, and in this moment, Jesus says, no, listen, um, you buried already clean. I need to do this for you. 
But I wanted to contrast these two stories and I've never realized that when John writes his gospel, he places them next to each other. We see in the story of Mary, we see a great cost. We see her giving this perfume. We see this great humility as she takes her hair, her glory, and rubs it on her feet. And we see this great danger where she actually risks her life and definitely her family's honor to take that place at Jesus' feet. But don't we cringe? And where we saw the great price that Mary paid, where we see that the washing of her feet was actually really a foreshadowing of what was going to be happening at the cross, where Jesus did not only give expensive perfume, he did not only give himself up as low as a table, he gave his life. We see that Mary used her hair to wipe Jesus' feet, and we see that Jesus left his throne in heaven. We see that Mary risked her life and reputation, and we see that Jesus gave his. My hope is as we talk about the story of how a culture that is steeped with washing, and therefore a washing of feet, that we'd understand two things. One, is that when we understand what Jesus has done for us, for Mary and Martha's case, it was the resurrection of their brother. For us, it's the resurrection of our King and that life given to us. It should do something. It should stir in us. And even in this time of great uncertainty where everything is changing, some of you are hurting physically, some of you are hurting financially, some of you are struggling mentally and emotionally, my invitation to you would be that of this is to look upon the resurrected Christ and let that stir within us a greater devotion to him, to find ourselves at his feet. But I don't want us to forget what John's laying up in his writing is as important as our worship and devotion to Jesus. It will never come close to the amount of love mercy, humility, and service that he gave to us. This is where we see in this next part of the story how Mary, or how Jesus steps in and does the unthinkable, the foreshadowing of what he's going to do for us on the cross. And so my, my greater hope is not only for us to stir our affections for the Lord, but for us to have our eyes opened in this time and no matter what our circumstances are speaking of us, that we'd understand that we have a God in heaven who is radically in love with us. And it's our job not only to think of what we can do for God, but how do we posture our lives in such a way that would let him minister to us, that we could receive his life-giving sacrifice and resurrection in our own life. And the last thing I'd encourage you to to do with this is what Jesus encouraged his disciples to do in verses 34 and 35 in John 13. He says, a new command I give you. He says, just as I have loved you, love one another. Now, loving people is not a new command uh, in the Bible. You see it all throughout the Old Testament, early on in Jesus' teaching. So why does he say new command? Well, it's a new command because he just modeled something that they've never seen before. He says, when I say to love your neighbor, I actually want you to love people like this. I want you to love people in a way that is this kind of drastic and this kind of humility and this kind of service. 
And if we are honest with ourselves, if we look deep within the story, it seems impossible. Like, how could I ever love someone with that kind of humility, intentionality, and sacrifice? But the invitation is for us. We have to begin with receiving it. We have to begin with being able to understand that it is within the grace, within the gift, within the mercy that Jesus gave us that we are now empowered through the Holy Spirit to go and love those around us. Now, if you are living a story where you are maybe more isolated from places of work or things like that, and you're now in close proximity to those around you, love them. If you have a burden in your heart for those who are hurting and those who are in need, love them. But know that the love that we are called to give out will always come from a place of sitting and letting the love of Jesus come and minister to us. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Thanks for joining us here on the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit us at lightsaniego.com.